Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, we have a great show planned for you this Tuesday. We're going to jump right into it. Last night, the, the earth shook, uh, or it felt like it to me, the earth shook. Uh, when I first heard around 6 p.m. Central Time yesterday, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, that the FBI had raided, searched uh, Mar-a-Lago, Trump's home in Florida, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, this is the start of the Civil War. I thought at that time that uh, the, the search or the raid was connected to the January 6th investigation, and I was shaking. I was like, well, here we go. Uh, time to choose a side, and I know what side I'm choosing, uh, so let me grab one of these AR-15s. Uh, <laughs> and, and then we found out that the raid, the search, whatever you want to call it, uh, was connected to some documents that the National Archives wanted. Uh, not quite as scary as if they were there on behalf of this phony January 6th investigation, but still a big deal. A former president, the FBI showing up at his house, uh, searching his home, uh, removing a safe, they're told. It's, it's a very big deal. Uh, stopped me in my tracks last night and I fell off into uh, a Trump, uh, FBI, what, what the hell's going on in America moment. And so, I, I gotta be honest, this is somewhat beyond my comprehension to fully comprehend and explain, and that's why today I wanted to start out by bringing in uh, one of the smartest people that I found on social media, Jack Posobiec. He's the uh, senior editor at humanevents.com. Very smart man over social media. I follow him for instant news and analysis. He's someone very well connected in the political space and world. And so uh, we're gonna start by bringing Jack on to educate me and the audience about what we should think about this FBI raid and or search and, and what does it all mean? Uh, so Jack, uh, let's start there. How significant were the events yesterday at Mar-a-Lago and, and what should we think about it? Well, Jason, I, I think you're exactly right. You know, this is something that was a nationally historic moment for the United States. And I, I was at CPAC this past weekend and I gave a speech there talking about what's the new right and I said, look, being part of the new right means you understand what time it is and you have to understand what part of the movie we're in and there's two doors one door is the republic and we can walk back to that where we have one set of laws where we have our founding ideals we have our founding principles we have our founding system of government the other door 
if we open that up, that's Bolshevism. That's social justice and critical race and whatever other name you want to put it. But that opens up the door to an entirely new form of government, one which has never existed heretofore in the United States of America. And so if you understand that we are not in the part of the movie where it's time to talk things out and we're just going about our daily lives, no, 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 no. We are hurtling towards the climax of the fourth turning. We're in the final stages of whatever this is. And they are setting the stage for a monumental showdown between, and it's, it's interesting by the way. So if you look at it, if you're somebody on the left, you're looking at this saying, oh, the crooked Trump family, we're going after them, Mar-a-Lago, we're going into the heart, the belly of the beast. This is Tony Soprano's takedown. Walter White gets caught in the end. That's what this is all about. That's how the left, the hashtag resistance types, have always looked at it, right? The suburban wine moms and everything else. They said, we're, we're going to go after him, whether it's Mueller or the Manhattan DA or the Letitia James in the New York AG's office, whoever, right? They just want someone to take down Trump. That has been their white whale, their orange whale, if you will, for the last six years. But if you're on the right, and also, by the way, if you're in the middle, and this is key, you've said, this is a witch hunt. This is a situation where you have an entrenched establishment inside Washington, D.C., and their operations arm, right, their militant wing is this law enforcement, this lawless law enforcement, where they are committing unprecedented acts to go after a former president. This is something you would see in Venezuela or Brazil, parts of the Middle East. This is not something that we would do in the United States of America. And it doesn't matter. You want to tell me about, I'm not even going to get into the details of the classified, you know, was it classified, was it not classified, documents, not, they want you to have that conversation because that takes away from the shock of what we all actually saw happen yesterday where they crossed a massive line. And that's where I think, by the way, Jason, that the independents and moderates are gonna look at this and say, you know, I think that whatever the merits are, this isn't the country we want to live in. The kind of country where we're using the national federal police force, that is the FBI, uh, as some kind of political weapon to go after one side and go after the other. And we might need someone to go into Washington, D.C. and smash this system right up in its face. And the only person that's around that we can see right now with the ability to do that is none other than Donald J. Trump. So one of the takes I had on this is, interestingly enough, as crazy as it may seem, this actually puts Trump in a better position in the 2024 primary than he already was. And the general, by the way. I, I, I had that conclusion as well, and I became even more cynical, like, well, hold on, this is going to work out well for Trump politically. Uh, he gets to be the martyr, and, you know, there's clear evidence of, like, no, no, he, he's not just claiming to be a martyr. He is a martyr. Uh, and so part of me was like, is, 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 is he overplaying what they've done here is is he was it just a search and this wasn't as big of a deal and then later in the night this morning i i just reached the conclusion like nah this is this is not good and it, it's it's a clear line being crossed and one of the conclusions i jumped to was like 
This guy is such a threat to the establishment. Him as an individual, but also when you start looking around at what he sparked in a Cary Lake in Arizona. Uh, I believe the guy's name is Joe Kent, also in Arizona. What, what Trump it. has sparked is a real threat to the establishment, both Democrats and Republicans, and that's why he must be brought down, because I think all people know, like, hey man, our political system is way too corrupt. We all, there. he was right about fake news, he's right about the swamp. It's just like some people are uncomfortable with him being right, but they can't deny that he's right, and then the establishment is just scared to death because of the people that are following in behind Trump, other politicians, including Ron DeSantis, who put out a very strong statement. Let me read that statement, and then I want your reaction to, to what I just said. Ron DeSantis says, the raid of Mar-a-Lago is another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's political opponents. While people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves, now the regime is getting another 87K IRS agents to wield against its adversaries, Banana Republic. Trump, if there's no Trump, no politician ever puts their name to something like this. He has sparked this, and in order to be a righteous and, and legitimate politician, you have to say things like this that Ron DeSantis said, and the establishment is scared to death. Well, I think that's right. And, you know, do these people, you know, you go on MSNBC or CNN and they're saying, oh, well, the judge and this was, you know, it's done and it must have been done with the highest level of sensitivity. And cut me a break, right? These documents, if we're, if, okay, let's take what you said on the face of it. If these documents were taken out two years ago when he left office, then why all of a sudden in the middle of a midterm year when all of his candidates are running the table in these primaries, now suddenly it's a national security disaster when they've been sitting there for two years yeah no i i don't buy it. it doesn't pass the smell test the timing of this is exactly as it looks like governor DeSantis, by the way so the fbi knows what they're doing merrick garlett knows what he signed off on chris ray knew he that this was going to happen when he went to the senate to testify last week he already knew and i'm sure by the way the chief of staff of the white house ron Klain, probably informed uh, President Biden about this while he's up there in quarantine, sitting away inside the White House. They pull, think about the timing of that, by the way. They pull Biden off the main stage and then they let, just before they let the government just kind of go and do this. So it looks like Biden isn't there directing it. Kind of interesting, interesting timing on that, a little suspicious. Sus, as the kids might say. But I'll give you another one because while we're talking about this and with DeSantis as governor, of Florida. He's not only a politician, not only a possible 2024 contender or 2028 front runner, I would I would consider him. He's also the governor of Florida. And we know that DeSantis as a governor has shown so many of these other governors and and I would say all the other 49 that it's not just about using your voice and using the power of the bully pulpit, but having the ability to wield your power. Will Governor DeSantis then take steps to empower the sheriffs of Florida, the sheriffs there, Palm Beach County, to actually stand up and say, no, you're not serving this warrant. We're gonna do this the right way. We're not gonna allow this political theater and your political games and your trickery anymore. Okay, you snuck one in, we're done with it. We are not gonna allow the state of Florida, the free state of Florida, to be part of your banana republic and go along with these games. And look, Jason, you said to your 
uh, right in the opening there, people are already saying we have to take sides. There are people outside of Mar-a-Lago right now, Trump supporters driving around with their flags, driving around with their pickup trucks. There were people who went there immediately last night. There's more people going tonight. I heard there's going to be some kind of impromptu. Like The die is cast, right? This movement you're talking about people's passions right there. And you're talking about a movement that you are galvanizing, that you are pushing against. And I'm sure, by the way, Merrick Garland, the guy who's locking up grannies, uh, you know, over January 6th, would love nothing more than a standoff between Trump supporters and sheriffs and just all that chaos because he can ride that to power. But mark my words, Merrick Garland, in his mind, this is vindictive. He views the Republicans and the conservatives as being the ones that denied him that seat on the Supreme Court. And so he is now using the power of a weaponized Department of Justice to go after the people he views as personally denying him what he you know, thought was his right, that seat that Gorsuch now is sitting in on the Supreme Court. So he's going after Trump. And mark my words, if they can find even the flimsiest imprimatur of an indictment on Trump, they are going to indict him. They will haul him back up to Washington, D.C., just where they had Stephen K. Bannon and General Flynn and all these other people, and they will try to put him on trial in front of a D.C. jury. And if you put a guy like with the name of Donald J. Trump in front of a D.C. jury, you're only going to get one result. We could be looking at the show trial of not only the former president of the United States, but the leading front runner for the 2022 election, actually putting the chief political opponent of this government, this regime on trial. That's the way the die is cast right now. And if you if you couldn't find a more caustic situation, it's like they're taking a um, it's like you got a house fire that you could put out. They are spreading gasoline everywhere and throwing matches all over the place. That's what they're doing to our country right now. And part of me gives gives me a little bit of hope that they're so desperate to do this right now. And it's like, to me, it feels like they feel their window of opportunity is right now and it may close and they can't do, they won't be able to do anything about it. This feels desperate to me. And, 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 and when I hear, 87,000 IRS agents. That's why I love what DeSantis, he connected it to that because those 87,000 IRS agents will be pointed at Trump supporters or people that aren't passionate Biden supporters and and supporters of the Democratic Party. I, I love that DeSantis played that card because that's exactly where my mind went. Yeah, you think those 87,000, and by the way, those are armed agents they're talking about expanding. You think they're going to be focused on the fat cats at Wall Street, BlackRock, Blackstone, Vanguard, State Street, the people that are uh, erecting this great reset and the ESG scam and the the people at the Federal Reserve and the Bernie Madoff? No, 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 no. That's about you. That's about you and me and the mom and pops and the small and medium enterprises and businesses in this country that are already suffering from the great resignation, from inflation from everything that happened during COVID, this is the final blow to the death knell of any kind of free market in the United States. They're trying to wipe up the last bit of opposition that still exists so that Bezos and all the fat cat cronies on Wall Street, this is something, by the way, that you would think 
that the Bernie Sanders people would be all over, right? You'd think that the left-wing populists would be able to look at this and say, hey, wait a minute, we got a problem here. We don't want the federal government going after the little guy, but apparently, you know, because they're so into it, they're so obsessed with this idea of quote unquote, getting Trump, like I said, that they will allow the federal government to run roughshod over every single uh, liberty that we have left in this country. Final thought, Jack, my contention that it's the baby Trumps that are the real threat, that he's inspired these from DeSantis to Kari Lake to all these other people around the country, that that's what they really fear. It's not a red wave. It's it's the Trump anti-establishment wave that they really fear. Look, I'll just say this, right? You know, let's go back to our let's go back to our physics class in high school. For every option, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. We are hurtling towards a kinetic political environment where we want to keep things uh, safe. We want to keep things political. We want to keep it at the ballot box. I hope, I hope to pray that this is solved through the midterms election, the the taking of conservatives of the U.S. Congress, the House and the Senate, and then the presidency. It's going to be a Republican. It's probably going to be Trump. We know he's the front runner. They're going to throw everything they can at him. But when that power is taken by the Republicans in the Congress this November, they have to act, whether it's McConnell, whether it's McCarthy, the people need to hold their feet to the fire and even cut off the, I would say, cut off the donations. Say, I will not give one more cent to any Republican who does not commit to reform of the justice process in this country. No more two-tiered system of Bolshevik justice. We either have true justice or we have none at all. Thank you, Jack, appreciate it. God bless you. the education. God bless you. All right, uh, why get life insurance? We pay hundreds of dollars per year to protect our homes, cars, and even our phones, but too many of us aren't taking steps to protect our family's finances. Mortgage payments, private student loans, and other types of debt don't just disappear if something happens to you. A life insurance policy can provide your loved ones with a financial cushion they can use to cover those costs. Policy Genius is an insurance marketplace that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price on life insurance. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Options start at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. Just click the link in the description or head to policygenius.com slash fearless to get personalized quotes in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. The licensed agents at PolicyGenius work for you, not the insurance companies. They're on hand through the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make decisions with confidence. Head to policygenius.com slash fearless to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. All right, Delano Squires, Eric's. All right, welcome back. Uh, Let's uh, roll out to D.C. and bring in Delano Squire, smartest man on the show. Uh, Delano, I need your help here. I I don't even, I I don't know if you tweeted about this last night, but uh, you're the smartest man on the show for a reason, so you'll have a take. Uh, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump uh, says his home in Mar-a-Lago was raided. Uh, Some people were calling it a search. Uh, 
I don't know, what does Delano Squires make about this, this escalation in the war that the Department of Justice seems to be having with Donald Trump? Hey, Jason, so a, co- a couple thoughts came to mind, right? Um, one is that I, I do agree with conservatives who say, you know, this represents a politicization of um, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and you know our, stru- our structures of, of you know civil order that we haven't seen before. Um, but there's also part of me that just wants everybody to calm down, because the thing is, there are a lot of questions. There are more questions than answers. I, no one knows for sure um, what it is that the department that the FBI was looking for when they executed the search warrant, right? So I've heard rumors that it has to do with documents that you know the former president took from the White House that should have been turned over to the National Archives. Um, some people think that it has something to do with the January 6th you know, uh, um, hearings. We're not sure. So un- until we get that information, I-, I think we just need to bring the temperature down j- just a little bit. So when-, when we do get that information, then it may be time to turn the heat all the way back up. Because if it's some you know, minor piece of paper that Trump should have left in the White House and, you know, you're marshalling the resources of of the DOJ and the FBI to go get it in a show of force that really is more performative than anything, then obviously that's a really, really big problem. But there's another part, there's another thing that I want to say, and this this may upset some viewers, right? Um, There are a lot of conservatives that I follow, some of whom I, I really respect, who have no problem politicizing the the federal government as it relates to targeting their enemies. This goes back, I mean, I'm thinking of all the lock her up chants, right, with Hillary Clinton. I'm assuming some of these people weren't just talking when they said those things. I've seen people, again, many of whom I respect, who say Fauci should be arrested. Um, I, I see people every day to say the people at the FBI today should be arrested when Republicans, you know, get back in power. So at a certain point, we have to understand that we are in a cycle of assured mutual destruction. If our elections go from being, um, you know, referenda on on who we want to lead the country in the direction we want the country to go in and move to who we want to be in charge of the federal police forces that are used to imprison our political opponents, we will not have a republic. Right. This will just be this will turn into some, you know, regular country wherever in Eastern Europe or South America or Africa or wherever. So I I don't think that's what we want. I I think cooler heads need to prevail. I think we need to be laser focused on the reason for this uh, uh, raid or the execution of the search warrant. And then from there, we can talk about what what needs to be done um, politically, legally, culturally uh, to bring us back from the brink. So, Andrew Cuomo, former uh, governor of New York, has said that, hey, look, Mayor Gardner needs to say why this happened. Be- mm-hmm. Let's end the rumors and speculations. And, and so part of this I blame on the Department of Justice, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI. Come out and say what it is you're doing and why you're doing it if you're going to do something this bold that can provoke this kind of outrage. Uh, and or excitement either, either direction. Uh, so that's one thing where I think like they've mishandled this. If you're gonna 
do a search warrant on the president or send the FBI, explain it so calmer heads can prevail. Right. Then the, 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 the second part of this, I think, goes to something you've been talking about uh, for a while, is I'm impressed with the uh, comments Ron DeSantis put out over Twitter and social media taking this head on. I credit Trump for him doing it. Trump has created an environment that if you want to survive uh, in the conservative circles, you have to be far more uh, transparent, far bolder than traditional politi politicians are. And, and so part of me, and I said this to Jack Posobiec when he was here, is that I'm wondering, like, was Trump using this to make himself a martyr and increase mm. his political brand? And, and, and if he was, I think DeSantis's note that he put out over Twitter was like, well, I'm gonna benefit from this too. Uh, I'm going to uh, make sure that everybody knows I'm fearless. And, and I thought his, anyway, you and I have had the debate, the discussion, DeSantis <laughs> versus Trump. Posebiak has basically just argued on this show that if Trump survives this, He's clearly going to be the 2024 nominee, uh, but you, I think, believe that DeSantis would be the much better candidate. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, that's, that's without a doubt. I mean, for a number of different reasons, right? One of them, you, it, it is logically inconsistent to argue that Joe Biden is too old to be president today and then turn around and say, we want to nominate a guy who's just as old to be president in another two years. That, that doesn't make sense. Um, and then there's the other things where, yes, will Trump galvanize the, the conservative base? Yes, he will. But he also galvanizes the, the progressive base. And there isn't clearly, just from 2020 up until now, I, I hope it's clear to people that there is not, there's nothing that the left would not do to keep him out of office. Right. We, we hear all these stories leaking. So, for instance, I heard I, I, I saw a tweet. I don't even bother to read the stories anymore where Trump said he didn't want um, injured veterans in some Fourth of July parade. And you heard the stuff about the bounties on the soldiers. And, you know, he, he reached forward and tried to grab the steering wheel. Or the, or the, and it's, it's these things where you, you get to the point where you're just like, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that that actually happened. Now, it could be the case that all these things are true, but I think the public has become so, at least the skeptical public, has become um, so desensitized because of their, uh, the media's acute case of Trump derangement syndrome um, that, at least for me, I don't even listen to them anymore, but I realize that there are some people whose entire political orbit revolves around Donald Trump. And in the same way that The Daily Show back in you know, the early 2000s was made by George Bush, no one ate better off of George Bush than, than Jon Stewart. And in the same way, no one eats, eats better off of Donald Trump than CNN and MSNBC, which is why as he's exited the political scene, they talk about him more now or just as much now as they did you know, two years ago. So I, I, I think, I think if, if the GOP was wise, they would, they would, well, let me say it this way. I think Ron, Governor DeSantis is, is the best candidate for president for the GOP in 2024. 
Um, and I've, I've gone into those those reasons before. I won't rehash them here. But I do think this this particular instance incident will make Trump a martyr in the eyes of his most ardent supporters. And I think this is probably the best thing that he could have that they could have hoped for ultimately as it relates to his uh, potential you know, reelection campaign. I, I, I do want to. Let's don't be shy, Duke, because on today it's interesting. So I want you to re-argue again why mm-hmm. DeSantis would be better than Trump. But I, I want you to do it in reaction to, to me saying the fact that they're coming after Trump this hard makes him more attractive to me. That mm. this guy so petrifies the establishment, it makes me think... I don't need any more evidence that he must he seems to be the only thing the establishment is scared of the globalists are scared of the, the he's their primary target and, and it makes me say you know what he must be the only guy that can affect real change and and DeSantis looks attractive and looks like what he's done in Florida is nice and he stood up but but when when the fire really gets intense, it just appears like Trump won't back down, and I'm just not a hundred percent sure that's the case with Ron DeSantis. So I'll say a couple of things. One, um, I think the former president does strike fear in the hearts of the left, but I don't. And trust the right, the, I think. True, true. I think Republicans too. Correct. Uh, and, and his his ascension to, to the to the pinnacle of American politics is a repudiation of decades of, you know, fake conservatism on, on the right, because honestly, the reason that there's a new right is because the old right failed to conserve anything because the, the, the Mitt Romney's of the world are much more concerned with being seen as respectable in the eyes of you know, the Atlantic readers or New York Times readers than he is on advocating for and arguing uh, for the, the interests of the people who support his party. That being said, as I've said before, um, there's, there's nothing that I've seen over the last six years that would indicate that President Trump, would he be reelected in 2024, has the, the discipline to execute on whatever it is that he wants to get done in the White House, his second go round. Nothing has shown me that he can do that because it's hard for him to even maintain discipline for extended periods of time because all it takes is one person who says, who he feels has not supported him uh, sufficiently to say a crossword and then he goes down a rabbit hole. And it may be when that person dies, right? Whether it's John McCain or Colin Powell, his his first words, instead of being presidential and rising to the occasion, are, well, this guy said something bad about me some time ago. He was a fake rhino and so on and so on and so forth. That's not the type of fight that you need. So my, my thing is this. I think th- there's a difference be- between um, a, a, a Bronco and a stallion, right, or a Mustang and a stallion. Both of them have, have been uncut. So you they're in a different category than the, than the geldings who, who have been running the Republican Party for the last however many decades. But you don't take a Bronco to the Kentucky Derby. 
if you want to run a race, you, you need a horse that is both uncut and able to be ridden. But if you have a horse that as soon as you put a saddle on him, he, he starts running in you know, 15 different directions, you're never going to get to the finish line. And, and ultimately, if the, the GOP base wants to get to the finish line, right, if it wants to fight back the excesses of wokeism, if it wants to fight back uh, against the, the moral degradation that we see in every area of society, particularly as it relates to gender identity and, and, and sort of the, the sexual revolution, then it needs a fighter, right? It needs a horse that can, that can focus on that particular race and not one that'll be pulled in one direction or the other because someone either see, says sweet words to them or says nasty words to them. Uh, let's pivot and talk about uh, your column today in conjunction with my show, our show yesterday, where mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time talking about uh, basically uh, divinity without masculinity uh, creates eunuchs. And you know, I'm gonna be very transparent. Uh, Delano gave me the word eunuch uh, to, <laughs> to put the button on that uh, sentence and I loved it. And it was <clears throat> Anthony, past, Pastor Anthony, as I talked about yesterday, had made the point that uh, masculinity without divinity, divinity creates barbarians. No disagreement. Uh, but let's add in that divinity without masculinity creates eunuchs. And, and you've written a column, a follow-up column today, uh, about what's been taken from American men. Uh, let, let's just start by you expounding on, explaining your column today, and then wrapping it into the discussion we had yesterday. Sure, so I, I, I saw something that passed by on Twitter. Um, it was about, it was from a, uh, an article on The Atlantic. It was like a, a book review or a recommendation of different books on fatherhood. And, and the person who wrote it, who, who I take is a fairly young guy, I'm not even sure if he has kids, um, he wrote about Liam Neeson's character in the movie Taken, right, and everyone, who's seen it knows that Liam Neeson is an ex-CIA official officer who had a particular set of skills and he tracked down the people who kidnapped his daughter, um, went all the way to, 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 to France and then I think ultimately to Albania to, to get her back and killed a bunch of people um, while doing so. And the author of, the, the editor at The Atlantic basically said, you know, a lot of people can't watch this film without a sense of disgust because Liam Neeson's character is out of step with, you know, our contemporary ideas about, you know, fatherhood and masculinity. And at first I was, I said, this guy's crazy. But then I realized he's actually onto something. Our views on masculinity have changed over the last couple of decades. And my point, my overarching point in the column is that um, American men and fathers in particular have been so beat down and ground down um, under the boot of, of feminism, the sexual revolution, um, changing norms in our culture and our politics, that we're to the point now where a guy who is willing to risk his own life to save his children is viewed with disgust by at least some f segment of the left, but, but guys who aren't even willing to be called bad names to defend their children are seen as inclusive allies. And that to me is a problem um, because Jason, you know, we talk, uh, you know, about Leah Thomas and, and, and you know, men and women's sports and, and the one sort of stakeholder group has been, that's been uh, 
AWOL in that entire fight is fathers. Right? I've seen the female athletes on Fox News. I've seen some of them with their moms. But I've seen very, very few men who've been standing beside their daughters saying, we're not standing for this. There's no way I'm letting Will Thomas change next to my daughter. So she she may either have to transfer or she'll sit out races or, you know, or I'm going to make a ruckus when the media's there. I'm, I'm going to jump in the shot and say men should not be in women's sports. But those guys have been have been AWOL, which is why you so, see so many of these these young women who speak out anonymously, who hide their faces, who change their voices when they when they talk to the media. And I just think it's, it's time that that men return to their rightful place, because when when men are moved out of their rightful place in the, in the family and in the culture, the, the people who suffer the most are always women and children, because that's the way it, it works. Those who are in authority, who abdicate their authority, bring rain down uh, uh, terror and devastation on those who are under their authority. And that's what we're seeing right now. And so my conversation yesterday, uh, right in line with that in terms of male leadership is being challenged and, and demonized and undercut in every way by the diversity, inclusion, and equity agenda. And, mm. and it, w everything is being, all the messaging is like, yeah, that's good, but it would have been so much better if a gay person had participated, if a woman had participated, if a transgender person. And, and I connect this all, you know, it certainly connects to the argument against our founding fathers and founding documents, but then if you really want to go to the world's founding document, the Bible, and the story of Jesus and the 12 disciples, it's every, all the messaging right now in America is anti-male leadership. And mm -hmm. it, the Atlantic, and the reason why they're complaining about the movie Taken, it's like, hey, we don't do movies like this anymore. Men aren't good, men aren't heroic, men don't defend women. Uh, you should go get Queen Latifah, the equalizer, her <laughs> overweight 50-year-old, but that's who should be rescuing Liam Nason's daughter. And, and, and I, I just, this whole, the changing of the goal of life to be, everybody's defining progress as, does it meet our diversity, inclusion, and equity standards? And I'm just trying to argue, and this show is trying to argue, and I think Delano is trying to argue, the purpose of life is to honor and glorify God. And he's yes. given us a document, the Bible, that said, here's how you do it. Here's who's responsible for being the leaders of doing it, men. And if men don't lead, you're going to have the kind of chaos we see across the globe and in America right now. Absolutely, Jason. As I said on, on you know, the last time I was here, um, nature has a nature. And anyone who spends any time you know, watching National Geographic or Discovery sees that when strong men are absent, the women and children are vulnerable. That's the way it always works. Um, so, so, and in the scripture, it talks about that. It said, Jesus said in one of his, um, you know, messages to the disciples, you can't rob a house until before you, you can't rob a house until you tie up the strong man. And once you tie up the strong man, then you can basically have your way with the rest of the house. 
and that's and that's one of the things that we see in our society right now and that's that's why it aggravates me so much when you see these 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 men and we we've talked about the guys who are in sports and the, and these are the men who you would expect you know they're they're physically built so you you would think that they are their their heart matches their their muscle sort of tone but it but it doesn't Right. These are some of the softest guys you can find in our society are found on ESPN and, and Fox Sports. No disrespect to anybody. Well, some disrespect to, to the people there, because th- these are men who have the types of platforms who could speak out. But all they do is worry themselves with with whatever the culture says th- they should be talking about. So you, you've talked about Randy Moss. Right. Here's a guy who, who mooned. The, the fans at, I, I think it was at, uh, at at Lambeau Field, right? This is a guy who got into all different scrapes with the law. and But he's brought to tears because of an email that one guy sent to another guy about a third guy's lips. And, and, and he has all the people around him applauding and saying, oh, wow, Randy, we feel your pain. We affirm you. And it's, uh, so, so it's every time, I, every area of society where you expect men to be strong and to stand up and to actually say something worth saying, to take a risk. They can't do it. They didn't do it throughout COVID. All of them got in line. Every single one of them. The, the Stephen A. Smith talks at a 50 decibel level. He, he's ranting and raving. It. Then it comes to the vaccine and Kyrie Irving, and he, he, he quiet. He get real quiet. Same thing with, uh, you know, uh, Michael Wilbon. And I, I saw, you know, you had the segment yesterday, you're talking about Jalen Rose. It's just trivialities. Right. It's much easier to talk about um, not acknowledging Mount Rushmore because of the racism of the founding fathers than for Jalen Rose to, to, again, get on ESPN or even on his own social media and say, look, men do not belong in women's sports. Point blank, period. We all know that. So it's one of these things where I, I agree with you, Jason. These this change and shift in the culture um, is taking us down a very dangerous path. And, and we went from fighting sexism to now fighting masculinity. And in successive generations, you've had one, the, a grandmother who says, I don't need a man, right? And her daughter says, I don't want a man. And now that daughter's son says, I don't want to be a man. And all of that lives under one household right now. And then we're, we're looking and trying to figure out how do we come back from the brink, and as I said, if, if men do not take their rightful place in, in, in the home, in the culture, um, in society, it's, it's, it's only going to get worse from here on out. Delon, before I let you go, I, I want you to react to something I saw this morning. Uh, Vanity Fair uh, did a story, profile story on Rachel Maddow. And what's next for Rachel Maddow? You know, she doesn't do her show daily. And, and the big display picture, this Rachel Maddow, the uh, gay lesbian host at MSNBC, and the picture, I don't know, have you seen this picture they use as uh, the display? Yeah, I saw the, that, the I saw magazine? that. Yeah, yeah, she's a lumberjack. This is, she's dressed as a man, and again, this is, you know, I don't wanna say dressed as a man, but anyway, Rachel Maddow is a lumberjack. This is a stage photo. Do, do we honestly believe Rachel Maddow's out in the woods, uh, cutting out in the forest, cutting wood down, chopping wood. I, I, I just looked at this and I just said, I mean, 
we, popular culture will prop up some dude, Saucy Santana, and if you've never heard of San, Saucy Santana, don't look. Uh, <laughs> but it's like we get Saucy Santana, uh, bearded, black, gay dude in booty shorts, and then for women, we get them, uh, the culture's pushing Rachel Maddow as a lumberjack. And I, I just, my head, my head hurts just thinking about what we're doing, the messaging, and just, uh, you know, women are supposed to be men, and men are supposed to be women, and, you know, that's diversity, inclusion, and equity. Jimmy Fallon, let's bring on Saucy Santana and Vanity Fair. Let's uh, profile uh, Rachel Maddow as a lumberjack. The, the chaos will continue. It, it looks like she's um, auditioning to be part of that, uh, that squeal team six that frees Brittany Griner from uh, the Russian prison <laughs> with some of the, you know, the other black women that we, we saw on Twitter. <laughs> You know, over the weekend. Oh, did you call it Squill T6? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So, That's good, man. Yeah. I, I, but, well, Jason, I, let, let me say, I, I want to say something seriously, though, because um, yeah. fr Friday I dealt with the dudes at Monkeypox. Today, this, this picture um, shows that when when you go against the creator, right, you come up with cheap imitations on a on a really good original. God has laid down a design for humanity. And and one of the things that he put in that design, and, and this has actually helped me grow my faith, is is not just what we see in nature. It's again, it's that nature has a nature. Because it's one thing to say, oh, evolutionary processes over billions of years created X. But they don't explain how the fruit has the seed in itself that will lead to its propagation across generations. And what people like Rachel Maddow and the monkeypox boys end up doing is they're trying to recreate something um, that ultimately leads to their own destruction. So it's, and, I, and I've said this on the show, um, particularly on the, on when it's two women, it's very rare that you see two, two doms or dykes together or two femmes together. Because even as they deny God's design, they're, they're drawn to it. Somebody's got to play the role of the man. That's what I ask my, my wife all the time. When she said two women are together, I said, okay, which one is the, the guy one and which one is the girl one? Because somebody's always playing that role. So I get that Rachel Maddow, you know, she wants to look like she's an outdoors woman, just like the governor of New York wants to look like she's a, a, a short order cook with her uh, um, lily white apron and dress that she was using to, to you know, flip burgers um, over, the, over, the, over the weekend. But ultimately, these attempts at mimicking God's design will ultimately fail. So as I said, maybe Rachel Maddow is, is auditioning for a new role and I'm sure Brittany Griner will thank her for her services at some point. I, I cannot wait. I hope someone in Hollywood is watching today's show because the movie Squill Team Six would be tremendous. The hunt for Brittany Griner, and I'm sorry, I don't want to drag her, but she, Brittany Griner's in jail, but Squill Team Six would be, that would top Charlie's Angels. 
uh, <laughs> probably is one of the most popular shows in history. Uh, Queen Latifah, Rachel Maddow, mm. Joy Reid, go, go save uh, America. Anyway, thank you, Delano. Great job as thank always. Uh, let me, you know, I got some of these codes of yours. Uh, goodbye, night sweats, hello, summer. Hotter weather used to mean goodbye to a good night's sleep until I discovered Cozy Earth, and I've got Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth bedding is so soft, luxurious, and best of all, temperature regulating, I'm sleeping better than I have in years. Cozy Earth sheets are made from the finest luxury materials, including our highly sustainable and ethically produ produced bamboo soft viscose. They're temperature regulating, so you sleep cool and comfy year round. Cozy Earth is so confident that you will absolutely love their products, they'll even let you try them for 100 nights risk-free. And for a limited time, save 35% on Cozy Earth's truly awesome bedding. Go to CozyEarth.com fearless and enter my special promo code fearless at checkout to save 35% now. All backed by a 100% night trial, a 100 night trial. That's CozyEarth.com dot com slash fearless and be sure to enter the promo code fearless at checkout for 35 percent off guys i have these at home it's the real deal hop on this cozy earth deal it will help you sleep better at night it's a lot you know now i keep my thermostat on like 75 76 because i got cozier uh all right <clears throat> you can email me some feedback let me know what you think about the show at uh, fearless at theblaze.com. Uh, we'll hear from TJ Moe about Donald Trump and diversity, inclusion, and equity. Next. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, let's uh, roll out to St. Louis and bring in T.J. Moe, the Show Me Kid, and we will continue uh, our conversation about Donald Trump and a reaction to uh, yesterday's show about diversity, inclusion, and equity. Uh, we'll do that next with uh, T.J. Moe. T.J., uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, and so initially, I just want to start with here because I'm trying. I'm still sorting through my thoughts on. Uh, what happened with uh, President Trump uh, yesterday, whether it was a raid, Trump called it a raid, some people are calling it a search. Uh, I think it's actually going to work to Trump's benefit. I think it's made him a martyr. I think it's galvanized his base. He take someone like myself, again, I've never voted, but I do like Trump and his anti-establishment movement and this move here by Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray just screams to me like the establishment is afraid of Donald Trump. And I want the establishment to be afraid. And so I, I, I kind of like it. But it, your reaction and your perspective on what transpired yesterday at Mar-a-Lago. 
If 30 plus agents bust into your house and cut open your safe, I don't know how you can call that anything other than a raid. It was obviously a raid. I think this is the media trying to run interference uh, because they saw Hold for how one second. Hold for one second. Hold for one second. The, he, just the journalist in me said, again, you said, if 30 agents bust into your house, just the journalist in me, I want to see the video. Did they okay. knock on the door and they just cut open get let safe. in? They did okay. cut open his cut safe. Cut open his safe, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. So we got that. They broke into a safe that's from yep. the from the mouth of Donald Trump. And so, uh, yeah, whether or not they actually kicked down his door, I don't know. I know uh, he was standing outside while they took things out of his house. No, no, he was in New York. He was in New okay. York. Okay. His, his uh, son, his I believe his son was there. Yeah, yeah. was it Eric who was on? He said, he said yeah. I think it was Eric Trump who said there were more than 30 agents. So yes. do you need more than 30 agents to search a house or to raid a house? I, I mean, I, I do think it's you're raiding a house. You don't go in there with an army unless you're raiding a house. You're not searching. They didn't actually search anything. If you want to get technical about it, they took the boxes and left, they, which they had already been in the house at some point prior and searched through many of the documents. He had a room where he had, I guess, 15 boxes or whatever. They raided the house. I don't think there's any any clue about that. There was nothing in the safe, according to Eric Trump, when he was on Fox last night. But they went in and raided the house. The FBI should be dismantled. You know, it's, it's like we have this, um, a lot of people on the left today are like, look at all the, suddenly all the conservatives think you need to get rid of law enforcement. I can point to things that the police are doing well. I could say they're keeping the peace. Uh, generally, traffic is done pretty well because people are afraid of cops pulling them over. They don't want to get a ticket. There's a lot of good reasons to have cops. They do way, way, way more good than they do bad. When was the last time you heard anybody say, Man, that was a great job by the FBI. I think they crushed that. The FBI hasn't done anything well. In fact, there's I can a- I can give you I can give you an example. Go ahead. They they, they shut down the the kidnap plans of Gretchen Whitmer. They shut, <laughs> I'm I'm halfway joking. <laughs> I'm I'm going there actually because yeah. they oh so, go so, ahead then yeah, yeah well listen they set up the kidnap plans of Gretchen Whitmer as you're talking about took some rather unstable people baited them into doing something they otherwise would not have done and then took credit for stopping it. If you have to create your own problems to stop, you're not very useful, right? This is basically what, what, uh, All right, I'll give you another one then TJ. Let me give you another one. They groomed Ray Epps. Yeah, I was about to bring him up. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) Ray Epps, who we can't figure out who this person is. He's on Tucker Carlson about once a week uh, on video trying to figure out who this guy is. He he's the one guy telling everybody we got to go in. It's not enough. We got to go in the Capitol. We got to show them who we are. And this is the one guy not getting arrested. This is a group of con artists, right? They they go in. Everything they do is to to they fool you into doing something. And then they end up busting you for it. And, and so uh, my issue with them is there are so many things that we could say they would be useful if they would maybe take a look at the Hunter Biden stuff that is actually a national security threat. I haven't seen Hunter Biden's house been raided. We have his entire phone, so I guess I don't know what we would be raiding. But we have video of him weighing, I think it's crack cocaine. I've never seen crack cocaine in real life, so I don't actually know, but I think it's crack cocaine. And he's, it, it, we have it on video, right? We have him 
we have a voicemail of President Biden talking to him, and it seems like clearing up that his business dealings are in the clear. Right. And so we've got a lot of things. It would be really useful at some point to have raided Hillary Clinton's house to get her private server where there were 33,000 emails. Never happened. They're destroyed now. It's like Eric Swalwell, another loser Democrat. He was sleeping with a Russian spy. Haven't seen anything rated there to make sure that he doesn't have anything incriminating that the that the the uh, or a Chinese spy, I think, uh, that the Chinese would have now. It's like, what are they doing other than being weaponized against uh, conservatives? This that the FBI is one thing. The IRS is the next. We, we understand you and uh, Jack were talking about this earlier. They're ad- adding eighty seven thousand new uh, agents that are armed, apparently. I didn't know that until Jack said it. Of which, this is a group that in 2013 admitted to targeting conservatives. There's a settlement out there. From 2010 to 2012, they admitted it during election time. Anybody with the name Tea Party or Patriots in their LLC or whatever their their documents were, they were targeted. They said, sorry, there were nearly 500 groups that were targeted. Like, this has clearly been weaponized. These groups set up by the government Maybe once upon a time they had some uh, some usefulness to them. That time has passed, um, according to Rona McDaniel, uh, part of the the um, the GOP. Said over 75 percent of the IRS audits in 2021 were Americans making less than 200,000. Over 50 percent made under 75,000. They're not targeting the billionaires that Elizabeth Warren and, and Bernie Sanders talk about. They're targeting me, and so these groups got to go. Here's my big problem, though. Donald Trump was in office for two years with the Republican House and the Republican Senate and talked about draining the swamp. He ran on this. The swamp's still there. He didn't do a thing about it. You and Delano were talking about Trump and DeSantis earlier. I actually think DeSantis will go in there and drain the swamp. Trump had four years to do it, two of which he had all the power in the world to get stuff done and did not do it. Mm. I wasn't expecting you to go there. I was going to take you there, but I wasn't expecting you to go there. And so you're someone that thinks DeSantis would be a far better candidate than Trump in 24. Not far better. I wouldn't say I'm as extreme on that as Delano. But in the primary, if DeSantis is on the ballot, I'm voting for him. Now, I'm, that's not to say that I won't vote for Trump for a third time with joy. I, I even voted for Trump in the primary in 16 before anything got started over Cruz and the rest of the field. So I have voted for Trump every time he's been on the ballot thus far. Uh, DeSantis has shown me he showed you showed the um, the tweet earlier. The dude's got some balls, right? He's got the same balls as Trump, except he seems to have less of an ego. And I think that's where you're going to get the best governance. This is a guy that won. I think he won Florida against Andrew Gilliam by something like 33,000 votes. It wasn't much. And he was the first guy when Trump was still, because of his arrogance, touting all of the vaccine stuff and telling you it was was the most effective, greatest thing ever. And I did it at Operation Warp, Warp Speed. DeSantis was like, we're not forcing that here in Florida and take off those stupid masks and we're open for business. And if you guys up in New York don't want to be dealing with this COVID stuff, move here. And Florida has been booming because of it. He was the first guy to do that. And he was right. This is a guy that understands the culture war, right? This is 
when Leah Thomas uh, won the women's national championship, he came out immediately. And I think the girl's name is Emma Wyant. She got in second place. He said, here in Florida, she's our national championship uh, winner because we care about the truth. He understands the culture war. He understands uh, children. Right. He bans CRT in schools. He won't let children or businesses teach the ridiculous myth of um, white privilege. I mean, look, he picked a fight with Disney. If, if you're willing to pick a fight with Disney in the state of Florida, who aren't you willing to pick a fight with? So he's done it as much as he can from Florida. And he's doing it to me without an ego. My biggest issue with Donald Trump is that Trump loves people who love Trump. Trump doesn't necessarily love truth where I think Ron DeSantis loves truth. So one of your criticisms of Trump was that, hey, first two years, he had the political muscle to really drain the swamp, and he didn't do it. What would you say to someone that would argue like, whew, the guy wants to get a second term, the whole media has pegged him as this authoritarian dictator, and if he had come right out of the gate using all of that political muscle, the media would have said, look, look at Donald Trump. He's, you know, he's the dictator we said he was. And so that there are people that believe like, oh, if he gets back in office, given all that he's experienced, now he can actually drain the swamp now that the public has been educated, more of the public has been educated to the fact we need to drain this swamp. I don't think the media did anything different. As soon as he got in office and sat down, they said, see, he's a dictator. So I, I don't know how the coverage would have been any different if he actually went in and tried to drain the swamp. You Not do? different coverage. He, he would have left them. He didn't want to give them any proof, any leg to stand on. And he's thinking, like, if I do it coming out of the gate, I may not get a second term. The timing may be best to do it in my second term. I saw a lot of Playing people last advocate. I get you. Uh, I saw a lot of people last night and I actually agree with this to some degree that that to make the argument that the left and I guess the Department of Justice and FBI at this point have provided basically a golden platform for Donald Trump to stand on today to announce his 2024 intentions. And I realize Ron DeSantis can't do it right now, um, but he should win his governor uh, election. He's going to win by a landslide. And if he's on board, because there's some stuff going on, it seems, behind the scenes. I don't know if you've seen um, Charlie Kirk with uh, TPUSA is having Ron DeSantis speak at his events right now in basically a unite uh, I don't know if would remember what he calls a United America or whatever. It is DeSantis speaking for Trump backed candidates. So I wonder if there's more going on behind the scenes than we can actually see because of what I think is the 12th Amendment. I think Trump would have to move his residence out of Florida for those two to run together. But if there is, I, I do think Trump to answer your question, if there is a chance um, for him to get back in, I do think he would drain the swamp. I think Ron DeSantis with what he said last night, it would actually be great timing. Trump should say today, I think that I'm going to be your president in 2024 and I'm allowing my intentions to be known right now and come about November, December, I'm going to have a nice surprise for you. And that should be having Ron DeSantis be his BP. And then you may be looking at the 12 year reign that you saw with Reagan and uh, Bush senior from, uh, 80 to 90, 
two, whatever it was. That's a, that's a game plan that I think people could buy into, like 12 years, you can perhaps right the ship and get it a bit back on course. Uh, that, that's interesting. Uh, I want to switch up to uh, talk a little bit about my show yesterday about diversity, inclusion, and equity, and its attack on male leadership. Uh, don't have a, a, I'll just start with a general question to you. What was your reaction to my argument that DIE, or what they call DEI, is actually the bigger threat, far bigger than critical race theory, and is really what's driving this whole anti-male leadership movement we have going on in this country. Without DIE, you don't have CRT, because the only reason you teach that crap is to actually get to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, your point about DIE keeping us from telling the truth is exactly the right point, because you end up, we know that the Bible is truth, right? We know Jesus told us he is truth himself. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life, right? And so what the point you've made, and that is obviously biblically sound, is that, hey, if we're trying to sort through how to treat people or how to run our business or virtually anything in the world, go to the Bible. And the Bible will tell us how this is supposed to work. God has given us his word on how the proper way this is supposed to go. DIE says, hey, look at surface level stuff. Don't look at the individual Look at the skin color. Don't worry about the substance. Worry about if they're a part of oppressed group. And God says, no, no, no. Everybody's made in my image. Galatians 3.28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is nor slave nor free, no male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That's how he sees us, right? And so instead of saying, Jason Whitlock's black, TJ Moe's white, we need to operate under that. God says, no, they're both Christians. They're both mine. And so that is the obvious truth, and, and that's how you get rid of the nonsense, is you go to that and say, no, we're both children of God. That's why I have to treat Jason Whitlock well. That's how I have to give him a fair chance, because he is made in the image of Jesus, and I, as a, as a child of God, he deserves that respect from me, right? That's how you start treating each other well. This, this, these mandates of diversity, inclusion, and equity, that can never be... The, when you're looking at skin color, there's nothing fair about skin color because it doesn't represent anything, right? It, you can only look at the individual who has very specific um, characteristics, right, and desires and ideas and evaluate those because those do have some influence over what will happen, right? If somebody's a really hard worker, that's going to be more useful to me in my business than if somebody's very lazy, right? If I have a, a super lazy white guy, that is certainly not better than a really hardworking black guy. And I can't look at it. The second part should be disregarded. Hard worker, lazy guy, those things we can evaluate. And so your point about that, I think is really well taken. The point that you and I have discussed off uh, off the show a fair bit is how you were talking about your friend being uninformed. And this is a committed Christian for, you know, whatever it is, 20, 40, 50 years that he's in church minimally 40 times per year. Right. And he knows nothing about what's going on. And he's a friend of yours, a good friend of yours. And so all he's got to do is pick up the phone and ask you. And He's just now hearing it. It's 2022. This nonsense has been going on for a very, very long time. Here's what the left has figured out, and this drives me insane. Americans 
know virtually nothing about history. I mean, almost nothing. And that is a failure uh, in our education department. This is by Betsy Davos. Part of the reason says the uh, Department of Education should be abolished. It's, it's a terrible setup, but we know nothing about history. The second thing we know nothing about is current events because the average person hopefully is having kids. They're married. They have a full-time job. They're working 40 hours a week. They just want to come home and hang out with their kid. That's what I want to do. I've got a one-year-old daughter. She's in the great, she's 15 months old right now. She's in the greatest stage in the world. Her laugh is the most infectious thing. And so I want to spend all my time with her. I don't want to spend all my time looking at crazy teachers on libs of TikTok that are indoctrinating three-year-olds. I'd rather hang out with my own daughter, who I think is awesome. That's the average American. The problem is, is that the left has figured this out. And the left says, guess what? The media will run interference for us. Virtually anything we tell the Americans, the leftist media will say, Absolutely. That's exactly right. I mean, if you remember going back, mm, this is probably six months ago now, the uh, there were actually politicians saying, no, it wasn't us that wanted to defund the police. It was the right. Look at this bill. The right. We never wanted to defund the police. Meanwhile, you still have Cory Bush here in St. Louis, who's actively trying to say defund the police. But the media actually delivered the message that it was the people, the Republicans that wanted to defund the police. And so this is why I'm so hard on pastors, because guys like your friend may be getting their news in little bits and pieces and they read a headline. And they're like, oh, it was Republicans that wanted to fund the police. And it was pastors who should be standing there because 70 percent, according to Gallup, just December of 21, 69 percent of people still in America say that they're Christians. So that's a lot of people that pastors, whether they're all in church, I don't know. But pastors do have access to and pastors once upon a time. The reason I'm so hard on pastors is because once upon a time, they were the very, very best of us. We talked about uh, we talked about the Revolutionary War. Um, it was last week or week before Jonas Clark actually brought his church to fight it in the the Battle of Lexington, right? You had William Emerson in the Battle of Concord. You had uh, Philip Payson, Benjamin Bach did the same thing. Like these were pastors who had some guts, some courage to go out and do things that weren't that fun. They used to be the smartest of us, right? It's like, look, John Harvard is the namesake of Harvard. That's a minister, right? The, the, you, you go and look at the Harvard and Yale were originally Puritan schools. Princeton was Presbyterian, right? These had rich Christian histories. All of them did. Um, Princeton's first year of class was taught by Reverend Jonathan Dixon. Okay. These pastors used to be the smart, everybody went to the pastors and ministers to go look at these people, uh, to go learn from them because they were the smartest and the bravest and the absolute best of us. And now we can't stand up in church and just tell people what's going on. Where has our courage gone? Where have the pastors with some balls gone? where they can stand up and say, this is what's happening in America and we need to put a stop to it. I, I'm going to give not an out, but just further understand, like when you talk about what's happened to the media, same thing has happened to pastors in terms of their source for information is social media. And so newspapers, I, I again, I grew up 1990, 30 year career as a journalist in the newspaper industry, newspapers have been completely corrupted by social media. Once they started chasing clicks and social media relevance, it diminished their pursuit of truth. And they were already in a struggle 
with the pursuit of truth. They're, it was already hard for them. There, many the major newspapers are all chasing awards, and and that corrupts your news judgment and values. But so what's happened to my friend and most people in America is like they're relying on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to tell them what's going on in the world. That's their newspaper. And the news judgment of those sources isn't nearly as good as what the newspaper. The newspaper used to be the dominant source of information in every city in America. And so as a journalist for the Kansas City Star, we could write things in the newspaper and we knew, well, the TV stations and the radio stations are gonna follow our lead. They can't do their job without us. And now, it's not newspapers, social media, Twitter has taken that job. Facebook has taken that job. You can't do your job without consulting with me first. And so if I tell you that some rapper that you've never heard of is important and he just broke up with his girlfriend and that's on the trending topics, that's where people are getting their information and, and judging what's important. And, mm -hmm. and it, it, it's, th they frame everything over social media in a way to fit uh, that Silicon Valley, Northern California culture and value and news judgment. So that, and so the same thing in a different way is impacting pastors, the culture. And again, this is what we talk about on this show all the time. It's just like when I say, hey, pastors should quit talking about racism and talk about idolatry. Idolatry is discussed in the Bible. Racism is something the culture has focused in on. There is something called racial idolatry, but all of this is rooted in idolatry. Anything that you make uh, more prominent or you serve over God is an idol. And so again, I pointed out like food was an idol for me and I serve that over God. If you watch me eat at a table, it's like, who's he serving, God or food? It's clear mm -hmm. as day, food. And, and I'm looking at people uh, that serve their race. Oh, I'm black. And they wake up every day trying to prove how black they are, not trying to prove how they're an image bearer of God. And so the culture, the one that's all attached to this social media, is dr and, and again, and this may come up, I'm not gonna put any names to this, but so I've been having a discussion about Christian nationalism mm. and, and, and a debate about that. And I'm just like, hey, I'm about to say, or I'm gonna say, hey, you know that three years ago, this term wasn't in vogue. This is something the media has come up with. How can we demonize Christianity? How can, mm. oh, we can attach it to white nationalism. So now we'll call it Christian nationalism. And so if you go back 10 years ago, no one was talking about Christian nationalism. This, mm -hmm. th th it's not in the Bible. It's not, it, this isn't a 2000 year old term. This is something they created to sift us. And that's what I was talking about yesterday. If, if, if they can get Christians talking about Christian nationalism and debating that and separating, oh, you believe in Christian nationalism? Oh, you don't believe in Christian nationalism? It's just a tool to sift us and to separate us. We're believers. We'd like a country that adheres to some Christian beliefs and because the country was founded on that and it works best. 
when it tries to adhere to those values. Mm-hmm. And if, if that makes me a Christian nationalist, I don't care what term you want to slap on it. I'm a realist. I'm a Christian. I just want the country to work better. If the culture, if leftists, if the mainstream media has come up with some term to demonize my desire for American to, uh, for America to be more reflective of the Judeo-Christian culture that made it great, I'm going to let you call me whatever name you want to call me a conservative, call me a Republican, call me a Christian nationalist, call me, none of those terms apply. I'm just a Christian. That, that's all I am. And I could care less what you call me because one, you're probably satanic and just trying to do something to make <laughs> me uncomfortable being a Christian. So I'm going to ignore you and I'm not going to debate you on your terms. Because that's what they constantly, they're, they're in control of the conversation. And mm-hmm. if we're going to man up as Christians and as men, we have to man up and say, no, we're going to define the rules of engagement and what we're going to talk about. And you know what we're going to defer to? That Bible. It's 2,000 mm-hmm. years old. Our whole calendar set up on it. All our definitions of truth and morality and all that are set up on it. Let's go with that. We got to man up and do that, or we can continue to have the debates that they want us to have. I'm not going to do it. I think you nailed it. That was the other part of the conversation yesterday that I loved. The the part of our problem with Christian nationalism is, you, nationalism is that you know one of the very first people to come to the defense was uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's like, look, I, I like Marjorie, but also she's known as a QAnon girl. Right. So it's like she's the girl that came to Congress believing in QAnon. So I I like her. I would vote for her if she were in Missouri. I'm just telling you, it's it's the problem is sometimes people uh, we get the wrong people running to defend the things that we like. And the second thing is that we don't define terms because Christian nationalism. This is what you did so well yesterday. Christian nationalism, your definition and belief that the American nation is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. I'm in favor of that. We understand that from the, they did a big study on this. They, I think the University of Illinois, I think it was some lawyers, went and, and it was a multi-year study, got like 10, 15,000 documents. And they said, OK, where did all these citations from putting together Decl- the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, where did they come from? 34 percent of them came from the Bible. It was like four times as many as the next closest source. The Bible is woven throughout our entire Constitution. This country, the, the vast majority of our founding fathers were Christians. Christians. And the ones who were not, uh, Thomas Jefferson, you could argue, was a guy who was not a Christian per se. Most people call him a, a deist. I think he had some Christian leanings, whatever. The guy was holding church while he was president in the Capitol, right? This, that we used to be so friendly to the Christian religion in the United States that this is how we did things. Uh, and it was just commonplace. Nobody argued whether or not you should have church there. Do you know, we've, we had hundreds of calls to prayer from the presidents of the United States declaration, like two, three day calls to prayer. We need national calls to prayer. Our, our country is in dire straits right now. We need some wisdom. We need the whole country to pray about this. Can you imagine a president doing that now where they said, everybody in the country, we're going to pray to Jesus and get this thing figured out. People would lose their minds over this. And so like, you're always a something nationalist, you know, uh, um, 
the girls over at, at uh, CNN, MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, she's an atheist nationalist, right? She believes that she gets to decide whatever is best and she's going to vote that way. I'm not that arrogant. I'm a Christian nationalist because I know that my ways are not the best ways. And I'm willing to take a backseat to that and say, this stuff's been proven for 250 years. It's created the greatest country that's ever existed on these principles. I'm not smarter than that. Let's go with that. Thank you, TJ. Got to keep it rolling. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications. Hit subscribe. Uh, Going to get a little smarter. Uh, Virgil Walker from G3 Ministries. Next. Welcome back. Uh, let's bring in uh, the newest member of the Fearless Army, uh, a soldier after uh, God's own heart, uh, Virgil Walker from G3 Ministries. Virgil, uh, welcome back. Uh, we had some news that kind of impacted today's show, so I want to start there with the Trump uh, raid and or search at his home. TJ is convinced it was a raid. It's almost like TJ was there. Uh, <laughs> Regardless, uh, just your general thoughts on the news last night about uh, what happened with Donald Trump. What what should we think about it? Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of startling uh, to hear uh, again unprecedented uh, that that a former president uh, would would have his his home raided or one of his homes uh, raided by the FBI. You know, again, uh, TJ Mo called it a raid. I'm gonna stick with that. Um, it, it seems like you know, 30 agents showing up uh, to to your to your door would would be pretty overwhelming by the you know from a, from any from any standard. Uh, and and again, the the issues as I as I kind of was doing doing my research are, are kind of dicey. Again, you have the Trump family presenting it in in, in one light. Uh, you have the you know the the, the folks who who orchestrated uh, the, the raid. Uh, saying, you know, it was a it was a lack of, of communication on the part of Trump. He was supposed to get documents back to where they needed to be, uh, didn't do so in an effective and efficient manner. So, and those are all kinds of so, somewhere in the middle of that is 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 some truth. But at the end of the day, regardless uh, of, of you know the the documents that were supposed to be where they needed to be, uh, the, the 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 look of this. For the purpose of you know the, the current administration, it just looks bad. Uh, what you're going to end up having uh, is you're going to rile the base uh, of Trump supporters. I, I mean, Trump only wins with this. Uh, you had you know r r the Russian hoax that took place for uh, you know years, uh, and, and everyone knows it. And so at the end of the day, I, I think this is just a bad PR look uh, for the administration. What they look, what it looks like, is that they're afraid of Trump and, and of what, uh, you know, of, of his run. Uh, and so they want to, with with, whether it's January, January 16th or, you know, the, the, the commission or whatever the report is, they're trying to do everything they can to muddy the waters in such a way that, um, you know, that, that Trump looks bad and, and is, is not able to run effectively. And I think it's absolutely going to have the opposite effect. This guy is Teflon. Uh, you, you, throw, you throw everything at him, he still is standing. Uh, he knows how to fight like this. Uh, so what you don't want to do is meet him on his ground, uh, you know, on, on, on his grounds 
uh, and try to wrestle with this guy. You're going to get muddy and dirty. He's going to come up winning. And so I, I just think it's a bad look for, for the current administration. All right, let's move on to uh, the reason I wanted you on today's show uh, before the Trump news is the discussion I had yesterday, uh, the conversation, the, the quasi-sermon I preached yesterday about uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity being a religion and the, the true threat to male leadership in America and a true threat uh, to a Christian worldview. Uh, DIE is the enemy of a biblical worldview, and it's being adopted throughout all of corporate America, throughout all of our educational systems, throughout all of our industries and institutions, and, and it's my contention that this adoption is the direct enemy of a Christian biblical worldview. Uh, and so I, I, I saw some notes from you earlier where you kind of broke down how diversity, inclusivity, and all the, th these things aren't virtues. Could you please elaborate? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, know if you, I don't know if that was a quasi-sermon. Uh, it sounded more like, like a sermon to me uh, as I listened to it uh, yesterday. I thought you did a fantastic job of just unpacking the, the ideas that you had. And, and the, initially, they reminded me of two verses of Scripture. One is in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 that, 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 that talks about uh, in their case. And, and what that means is it's a, it's a reference to the unbelievers in their case. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So I, people are blinded by, you know, by D.I.E. right now. Right. Uh, right now, that is that is the latest ideology that is infecting culture. The other thing that it reminded me of, because you you were quoting from Romans chapter one, I think, verses 16 and 17 that talk about uh, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, that that, that Paul was was encouraging folks, believers to be unashamed of that gospel. Uh, if you if you would have gone a few uh, just a few verses uh, further in verse 18, it talks about that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men uh, who, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Right. By their unrighteousness, what they're doing is suppressing, pushing down truth for what could be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So men are without excuse. I'll stop there because at the end of the day, there's, there's, there's so much to that section of Scripture that, that clearly unpacks everything that, uh, that, you, uh, that, that you shared with the audience uh, on yesterday. God's wrath abides on us. Why? because we're ignoring the truth that he's made so plain for all, for all of us. And currently, again, the current ideology that is that is sweeping every area from, from economics uh, to, to, to politics, uh, to, to uh, people on the job, and even in, inside the church uh, is this issue of diversity, inclusion, you know, and, 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 and diversity, inclusion, and equity. We've got we've to think about how to wrestle with this. As I, as I thought about it, you talked about the false god of, of D.I.E. And, and I looked at it in this way. I, I shared some, some, some notes with you about it, that, that diversity in and of itself uh, is, is not a virtue. Uh, it's a description. Uh, <laughs> when you talk about something being diverse, there's, there's no value in it being diverse. Uh, there's no virtue in it being diverse. It, it's simply a description. It's like say, it's the equivalent of saying that the sky is blue. 
Uh, there's no value in that. If, if there were value, you could put a bunch of diverse robbers together and, and, and there would be virtue with these robbers. There's not. Uh, they intend harm. They're going to do bad. And, and as a result, their diversity has nothing to do with, with what they're going to do. They're going to they're do that which is negative. Uh, inclusivity, uh, being inclusive, th- that, that isn't a value that determines the truth. Um, when we think about about being inclusive, I, I, you played a clip yesterday, I think it was of, of Ellie Mistel again, and he was ranting and raving about the need to have a number of diverse gr- diverse people groups together. They needed to be included in the crafting of the Constitution of the United States. Well, it wouldn't matter how many people you put into that. None of uh, their, their skin color has no bearing on whether or not truth would come out of that, uh, whether or not the document would be solid or good. And then finally, with regard to the issue of equity, uh, equity is a myth. Equity is an absolute myth. Um, equality is something that has inherent value. We all have, uh, we're all equal in the eyes of God, having distinct value, dignity, and worth. But at the end of the day, equity, none of us are equal. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm short, uh, bald and beautiful. Right. I mean, you, you got a great combination right here. Not everybody has that combination. Right. <laughs> so some 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 are some are tall. Some are some are you know, not so handsome. Some are, are smarter. You got Delano. I mean, that, that that's inequitable. I think you had him on an earlier segment. I mean, they're, they're, from the standpoint of our creation, when we were created, while we were created equal from a standpoint of value, none of us are equitable from a standpoint of outcome. We're going to have different outcomes, and God designed us in that way. So at the end of the day, and, and I thought you did it well, at the end of the day, we, we've got to overcome the darkness with light. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 5 says that light shines in the darkness, uh, and the darkness has not overcome it. Whenever I read this verse of Scripture, I, I literally think about someone trying to carry a bucket of darkness somewhere, right? There'd be no way to carry a bucket of darkness somewhere. Uh, Why? Because light would overcome it. So it's inherent upon us uh, to be salt uh, and to be light uh, in a dark world. And if we do that well, uh, I I think people will come to see the light and their minds will be clear. Now, you work with a lot of ministers. You used to minister at a church. It's my contention and a lot of the argument we put on this show is like the pressures on ministers Mm -hmm. inside churches is very immense to bend to the culture. Yes. And 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 I'm not even sure if the ministers understand how they're being bent to the culture. Uh, You know, I was having a conversation with some friends about the whole topic of Christian nationalism, and I was just talking with TJ about it, is like, hey, this is a phrase, a catchphrase they've come up with in the past couple of years, and to throw on Christians, and they, it's like attaching it to white nationalism, and we've defined white nationalism as, as negative, and so now we're gonna describe Christians that mm-hmm. are nationalistic. Well, that that's negative, and, and I just keep going, well, this is the culture, again, defining the discussion. Yes. Is because I don't, and it's no different than what I, I, I just don't, Christian nationalism, I don't think that's in the Bible. I don't think mm-hmm. Paul or anybody wrote about Christian nationalism and blah, blah, And so we just keep letting the outside culture, hey, debate on these terms. Right. The terms we've created 
And again, it goes back to what I call a sifting process. How can we separate Christians? How can we inject things to make them bicker with themselves, disagree with each other, and then distance themselves from, well, that's a Christian nationalist. I got to stay right. away from them. And, and it's just an outside term that really has no value. It's just been created to distract and distance us. Uh, you're absolutely right. I, I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's kind of like the term racist, right? Uh, it, it's unfortunately now, it has been so overused, it's meaningless. Uh, I think the same is true with regard to Christian nationalism. It's, it's, a, it's an attempt to shut the conversation down. Uh, the, the word evangelical now has, has, has come to be known to be that, 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 that white guy that goes to church. Uh, it, all of this, you talked about it yesterday, is an, is, is an opportunity to, to divide us all the more. Christian nationalism, that used to be called patriotism, right? That, 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 that used to be seen as, as, as holding a Judeo-Christian worldview uh, and understanding that our culture's founding uh, was based upon that and, and, and having pride in that and celebrating that. Uh, now it's a pejorative. If, if you're a Christian uh, and, and, and you have a, a nationalistic view, meaning that, that, that you desire to see our country do well and for it to be operated on Christian principle, uh, that's somehow a bad thing. And it's only become a bad thing because now what the culture wants to do, it goes back to Romans chapter one. They want to suppress the truth that of God that they know in their unrighteousness. The, the, the short the short version of that is that we love sin more than we love God. Uh, and, and as a result of our, our love of, of sin, uh, we want anything that points out that sin. We want to name it something so that we can we can defame it, so that we can we can abuse it, so that we can say, oh, you know what, you're just being a Christian nationalist. Oh, you're just you're just one of those kind of people. Uh, we, we we label it, give it a pejorative, uh, so that we don't have to follow what what the Word of God says or the truth. It's it's an attempt to shut down conversation. I love you brought up the word evangelical because I've been in private conversations, just like like. They've turned evangelical yes. into a negative. That yes. when people, oh, well, that's an evangelical. It's like, and, 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 and literally, I'm just, I just did it now. I've done it previously. I was like, how did they take evangelical? And now it's a negative. And so I've gone to the dictionary. A member of the evangelical tradition in the Christian church. And, and they're now tossing this around like it's a pejorative. I'm like, call me an evangelical all day. And right. twice on Sundays. I mean, right. you know, that's right. that's a positive description. But the culture has turned it into this negative. I'm looking at corporate media. You just use it to, again, everything seems to be driven towards communicating to young people. Don't hold on to your religious values. Right. Right. Don't be a Christian. Those are the bad people. They right. invented slavery. They invented oppression. They, and again, it's, it's, it's Orwellian because it's all just, it's the absolute opposite. Christians ended slavery. Christians ended Jim Crow. Christians made America a great country. Uh -huh. Those values are why we were the envy of the world. And I use it in past tense because we've walked away from this and we're no longer the envy of the world. Right.
Right. No, I, I completely agree. I, I would I would take it a step further, Jason, than, than you did. Yes, the culture has maligned the, the, the name evangelical. But but even at that, it goes back to something you alluded to earlier when when you were asking me the, the question about pastors who have capitulated, pastors who have have kind of bent things in an effort to to, to woo the culture. Uh, I would argue that what we did to the word evangelical is something that that, that we've done to ourselves uh, to the degree that we've made the decision to bow the knee to what's happening in the culture in an effort to win the culture. The issue in, in that regard is we've had we, as a as a Christian culture, uh, as an evangelical, we have we have had the fear of man more than we have had the fear of God. Uh, and, and as a result, what we see uh, is, is when, when, when we fear man, they recognize that. And so they leverage that. That's what's taken place. They've, they've leveraged it, used the language, said, oh, you're not so great. You're not so good. And, 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 and being a Christian has little to do with the fact that we believe we're so great or so good. In fact, it's quite the opposite. A Christian actually recognizes how flawed, how messed up, uh, how, how depraved they really are. And, and they're willing to bow the knee to Christ and submit to him in his way, repent of their sin, place their faith in him and, and follow him. That that's the difference. It's not that we think we're all that we, we, we don't. It's actually the opposite. But but the world has abused the, the language we've given. We've given we've given ground. Uh, and, and as a result of our giving ground, what we what we're seeing is is we're, we're reaping uh, the benefit or, or really the, I mean the detriment uh, of that of that kind of behavior. Thank you, Virgil. Uh, great job as always. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Uh, get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com/fearless. Uh, uh, Shamika Michelle, you're gonna be. Welcome back. Uh, perfect way to end the show. Get some Shamoke up in here. Shamika Michelle. Uh, Shamika, last but not least, uh, you're running the final leg of this relay. I know you're up to it to bring it home. But we're already in first place. All you got to do is maintain the lead. Uh, I know you can do that. Uh, and so we'll just start where I've been starting with everybody. Let's react to the uh, Donald Trump search warrant slash raid at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, what was your reaction? Well, first, my reaction was obviously he didn't drain the swamp. And then secondly, it made me hopeless, but not for him, but for the American people, just really disappointed in them. When I'm seeing the reaction from people and they're all excited and they're saying, oh, he shouldn't have, you know, stolen things from the White House and he shouldn't have been criminal and he shouldn't have done this. I'm thinking, are you actually believing that something is going to come from this? unlike all of the other things that they took us through during his four years of office. I'm 
seeing people say, well, you know, he had documents and he flushed them down the toilet. And I'm thinking, well, what kind of toilet does this man have? If I'm a little overzealous with my tissue paper, my toilet stops up. But you actually think that he shredded documents and flushed it down the toilet? Like, come on, people, y'all are being real ignorant. We are being bought and sold right under our noses and this is the kind of BS that you want to pay attention to. I think it's foolishness and it's just more of what we got while he was in office, which is why I kind of lean towards a TJ Moe and Delano wanting DeSantis to run instead, because I just think it's going to be a never ending struggle with President Trump and people can't get past what they think about him. And it's frustrating. That's fascinating. I had the exact opposite reaction as you, Delano, and TJ. The events last night made me just like more like, okay, because I've probably been leaning like we need DeSantis and let's move on from Trump. But this last night made me lean more into Trump and thinking like, he's the only thing that scares them to this level. And, uh, and, and I'm talking about both the Democrat and Republican establishment can't stand Trump. They mm -hmm. can't, you know, all these Trump back candidates are winning primaries and all these baby Trumps that he's created, including DeSantis, uh, and, and, you know, from Kari Lake to Kathy Barnett that didn't win, uh, to Eric Schmidt that won in Missouri, to J.D. Vance in Ohio, it, 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 I'm, I'm going the other direction from you all. What, I, I think we perhaps need their open enemy back in office to finish this out uh, and, and again, no, I, I like Ron DeSantis. I like the, the, the uh, tweet he put out yesterday criticizing what they did to Trump. I, I mean, I really like Ron DeSantis. But I had a totally different reaction of like, this made me think, man, we still need more Trump. I would certainly vote for him if he were uh, the candidate in the primary or if he got the nomination. I would vote for him hands down. I just think that it's going to continue to be a circus. And I feel like I'm going to have to slap somebody, starting with people that I know. <laughs> so I'm like, if it will cause us to get somewhere, because I believe that DeSantis will also try to drain the swamp. I would rather not deal with all of the headache, but of course he would have my vote. I would go out and campaign for him just as I did for the 2020 election. But it just really frustrates me when I see the American people getting caught up in a, a another nothing burger, because I believe that's exactly what they found when they raided his home, nothing. And I think we're just gonna continue to go through this cycle and it's such a distraction to helping us really get to court issues that I don't know if I wanna deal with it, not because of Trump, he doesn't bother me at all, but the American people are really starting to frustrate me. And so you don't think that the corporate media wouldn't do the exact same thing to Ron DeSantis, that 
they, they will, he'll just be the new Trump. And oh, he's just a smarter version and they'll twist all of his actions and demonize him just the same. Yeah, it would be fresh blood though. And I think that DeSantis would be crazy for even doing it after watching what happened to Donald Trump. I can't believe that he is even willing to fight. This man was living a pretty good life prior to running for president. Everybody loved him prior to running for president. And then all of a sudden he's been made to be the most evil man on the planet. I would chuck the deuces because I'm just so sick of the, you know, he doesn't get the support that I feel like he deserves, not even from his own party. And so the, the way that I see the Republicans sit around and be soft and not actually fight hardball, I love the new right because they are willing to fight. People like Carrie Lake and DeSantis and Kathy Barnett, they do fight. But the Republicans and the rhinos that have been there for decades, we have to get rid of them or we're going to keep do seeing, you know, going around the same tree. And I just don't think he has the support that he needs or deserves to get rid of the swamp. I think it's just going to be a lot of what we had um, the previous four years. Mm. All right. Uh, let's do an approval rating on Donald Trump. Can't wait to see, based on these comments, can't wait to see how you scored him in comparison to me. Let's do the approval rating. All right, well look, I couldn't go, you know, a perfect score here because he's out of work. He, he, he lost the election, or they, he allowed the election to be stolen from him. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm just sorry he didn't. Biden got 81 million votes, I ain't buying that. Uh, <laughs> So, I, but he—he's not in office, so he's lost his job. He is, you know, still a billionaire and the best rabble rouser we have here in America. So he's good at that. So I gave him a twenty in job performance. I gave him a 17 and I gave him a 17 because I thought he did an excellent job as president. I like the fact that he took interest in the black community. It was the first time I have ever been inside the White House. So I had to give him props for that. And I like the fact that he was uh, America first. I didn't even know the importance of that until he actually took office. So I gave him a 17, but I deducted points because he didn't drain the swamp. I really thought he was going to go in there and do that. And I was disappointed that he didn't. Uh, you just broke a little news here. I did not know you had been to the White House. Uh, please elaborate. Yes, I went twice. I actually got a chance to go when he had the Black History program where he invi uh, invited a lot of the Black people in to just come in and we had drinks and hors d'oeuvres and we got to hear him speak. But I also was invited when he took the Republican nomination for the second time in um 2020, 2019, one of those years, I went in and actually got to see him do his acceptance speech. So it was really nice. I've been there twice, once on the outside, once oh, on the inside. <laughs> mm, did not know that. Uh, this is interesting character. And because I had to do a little thinking about this. And, and what I decided was, as it relates to character, Trump's not much different than me. And so, and, and that's where I, I, a lot of my friends that are, 
heavy anti-Trump, and I'm, and I'm like, name one thing Trump's done that you haven't done. Name one thing he said that you haven't said. Uh, and this, for most of my friends, shuts them up. Uh, and, and again, as someone that was, you know, favorite place on earth was the Masterpiece Lounge in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, I know that's how the, they sounded a lot like Donald Trump, all bunch of black dudes and even black women sounded like little baby Donald Trumps. And so I just don't, Trump's character, my character, I'm putting in the same boat. I would give myself a 15 in character I gave Trump a 14. And I gave him a 15. He doesn't bother me at all. I was never one of these people that said, oh, you know, he's been married three times, or he said, grab him by the that never bothered me because I wasn't looking for a pastor. I was looking for a president. And I like the fact that he had dictators from other country that feared him or respected him. The one thing I didn't like, however, is that he always seemed to have someone turn on him. And I don't know if that's up because he picks the wrong friends or the wrong allies or people to be around him. So that's why I only gave him a 15, because every time I turned around, someone was coming against him who used to be really close. And I'm like, he has to he need to pick better friends or better people to trust and believe in. I can actually answer that question, having had a lot of people turn on me. It's hard being my friend. It's hard being <laughs> Trump's friend. And again, I, I, I don't want to directly compare Trump to me in this instance, but like when, when you speak truth to the establishment, uh, and people have jobs within the establishment that they want to protect, man, there's a lot of heat, you know, just, and that's why I love my friends so hard is mm -hmm. because they have to go to work and be like, yeah, I'm friends with Jason Whitlock. We did X, Y, and Z together. We played football together. We did this and that. And, and the blowback they're going to get from people that, you know, don't know me uh, is, is kind of rough. But eventually, that breaks a lot of people, and they're just like, man, I don't want the hassle of being friends with Jason Whitlock or Donald Trump. Uh, so I that's how I would explain that. Authenticity, uh, I think the dude's pretty authentic. Uh, you know, I probably could have given him a 25 in authenticity, but I gave him a, a 23. Uh, I, I, I just, you know, partially, I marked him down a point. Uh, on the vaccine stuff, he's been... A, kind of a puppet for Big Pharma, and I don't like that. I don't know if that's authentic. Uh, and, you know, he didn't drain the swamp, so I gave him a 23 in authenticity. I gave him a 23 as well, Jason, and that's like one of the highest scores you're going to get from me. That's the GOAT number. Of course, I say it all the time, Michael Jordan's number. And yes, I took off points as well for the the stuff he was pushing about the vaccine, like shut up already. We don't want it. If we were going to get it, we'd have done it already. Stop pushing it. Stop telling us it's safe. It did make him feel like a puppet to Big Pharma, and I didn't like that at all. As a matter of fact, I probably should have took more points off now that we, we talk about it. <laughs> uh, it factor, it's got to be close to perfection. Uh, the whole world loves talking about Donald Trump. He certainly has it. So I gave him a 24 out of 25 in it factor. 
I gave him a 17, Jason. And I have to agree that people love Donald Trump. He used to be in rap songs. Even Lil' Kim called herself Missy Bonner. He was said to be the American dream. Even Obama said the exact same thing about him. So I thought, you know, he has it. I couldn't give him higher than 17, though, Jason, because he's an old white man, which is a little bland for my taste. So that's why I only gave him a 17. <laughs> I thought it was the hair. Perhaps uh, you didn't like that. Uh, all right. I've got him at a smoke show, uh, 81. You've got him at a grease fire, uh, 72. Uh, before I let you go, Shamika, I wanted to give you a chance if you, and this will be our final thought on a very, and a, another uh, marathon show today. Uh, but uh, did you have any reaction to the conversation we had yesterday or I had yesterday about DIE and its attack on male leadership? I did, Jason. You said so many good things in that. It was kind of hard to pull out points, but I love the fact how you rearranged the alphabets to be D-I-E, because that's exactly what the idea needs to do is die. Nowhere do we have all-inclusive anything. In my life, I'm not all-inclusive. You talked about how hard it is to be your friend. I only have two to start with, one who's been my friend for over 30 years. I'm not all-inclusive when it comes to my friendship. I'm not all-inclusive when it comes to somebody getting in my bedroom. I'm not all inclusive. None of us are. There are so many things that you, ha it's really members only, so to speak, that we just won't include everybody in. So this idea is foolish to me. Even when it comes to Jesus, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, no, neither uh, fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, and get this in sales in the chat that come in there just to troll, nor infeminates, and the list goes on. So not even Jesus is, Jesus is all inclusive. There are requirements into getting into heaven. So when we see people expect us to turn a blind eye, to not call out foolishness, to act like we have to be nice and we have to be loving and just accept everything, it does not make sense. We don't do it in our regular lives, our day-to-day -day lives, and Jesus himself doesn't do it. So I think that the term is foolishness, and we need to get rid of the whole thought behind it. Thank you, Shamika. Great job. Uh, we may see you tomorrow. Uh, anyway, I hear tomorrow. Hello, chat room. Hello, comments. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Down, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff. Nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Blessed, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all receiving. We all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want.